Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And I just wanted to share with you an exciting piece of news because as I start doing more of this podcast, my intention is to put it together into a book. So I'm really excited about that. And I have been applying to writing residencies so I can go and stay someplace for an extended period of time, two weeks, a month, and work on this. And I just got into my first one. And I'm really proud and I'm really excited. I got into one in Italy and I'm going to be going there in August. And I applied to a whole bunch more. So maybe there'll be another one to report to. And that will be such a huge boon to me to be able to develop this into the next phase. Very exciting. And today I was thinking a lot about because I do this other podcast too about Shakespeare and we were talking about madness and how that comes about and I read this piece of a psychology report about grief and they were talking about how when there is an excessive a huge amount of grief what tips a person into the realm of madness is that they lose all of the roles that they have come to understand about themselves. Child, wife, daughter, whatever those things might be. And we were talking in connection with Ophelia, for instance, how she tips into madness when her father dies because she has lost all of her understood roles in life. She is no longer daughter, sister, she doesn't know where her brother is, right? Sister or lover because Hamlet has abandoned her too with the nunnery scene. So she has lost all of those things and there's nowhere for her to turn. She doesn't recognize herself. And there's another moment too in the third scene of Richard III when old Queen Margaret comes in and she's cursing everyone. And she says to Queen Elizabeth, After many lengthened hours of grief, die neither mother, wife, nor England's queen. And that would definitely put her into the realm of madness. And so Margaret is cursing her with madness, which uh, she has experienced because she's no longer mother, wife, nor England queen. So that was a curious thing to me, and it made me start thinking about my senior year in college, funnily enough. Okay, I moved into this fabulous apartment that we had inherited from Richard with my boyfriend, Dave, 
and with Annie and this other girl named Carrie who was younger than us and she had also been at the 9092 dorm so we knew her th that way and it was a three-bedroom apartment and the bedrooms were all very different so Richard and his roommates had set them up as pleased them and the one that I moved into with Dave had this crazy very raised platform bed so the the level of the mattress was at our chest for instance and it had some stairs that went up to it at the end but it had all this storage you know all of the dressers were underneath and then Carrie's bedroom was a loft bedroom because it was tiny it was probably supposed to be some kind of walk-in closet and it was teeny tiny and she had a loft bed and all of her desk etc underneath the bed and then Annie's room was pretty much normal and downstairs was this huge living space. So we had the top two floors of this apartment building on Beacon Street. And downstairs was an open, big open living space that you walked right into. And then a small kitchen. And then they had constructed this crazy table that lowered to table height by pulleys, via pulleys from the ceiling. And so we could pull it up and out of the way when we weren't eating all together, for instance. But I remember it swung and swayed when you were eating and you had to be very careful. That was a little crazy. So we didn't use it all that often, I don't think. There was no Kari. We did not move in with Kari yet again. She was living on her own, although we did meet and sing still. But I don't think we were developing new repertoire because we were all of us so busy. Kari was now a junior because she had skipped the one year and Anne and I were seniors and there was so much work. I was wrestling with what I wanted to do next because, you know, senior year, I had to figure out what's the next step? Where am I going? And I remember I was taking this communications law course and I actually even flirted for a moment with being a lawyer, which in some ways makes some sense because I, being a lawyer is very much being an actor in some ways, you know, once you're in court and you have to appeal to different people and eye contact makes a difference and all of that stuff. So acting training probably was a good thing for a lawyer, but I did not decide to go that route. One of those other roads not taken that would have been a nightmare and I'm glad I didn't. As it was, I was so busy with schoolwork and Dave had a job. So we found precious little time together, which also added a lot of tension. I was developing into this role of full-time girlfriend and it was foreign to me. It was difficult for me and I found myself dipping over into obsession. I just wanted to be with him all the time. And then I didn't recognize myself in those emotions. You know, like, wait a minute, what? What happened to my independence? What happened to the person I have been up until this point? But I think that in the midst of that really intense primary relationship, all of those doubts and fears from my childhood of loving someone and then them walking away just came back. And I lived in doubt and fear and misery a lot of the time. And that was really hard. And then to add to that the tension of his parents and their reluctance to like me because they were just kind of hoping I would go away. 
we would go to his house for dinners with them and it was strained and polite but not convivial and not warm his father wouldn't look me in the eyes and that was interesting because I do mention it in my diary as there was a turning point at one point where I'm like oh at least he'll look me in the eyes now his father as I said maybe a while ago was a rabbi so they were a very religious household and they were Sephardic Jews and the traditions were beautiful I loved hearing about them and I loved learning about them almost in an anthropological kind of way where I was an observer, but I always felt on the outside because, you know, never really accepted as one of the inside people in their family because they really didn't want this for their son. Dave was the youngest of five. He had two older brothers and two sisters, and he was the baby, and they had big hopes for him. His sisters... Well, his sister Esther was definitely very, very religious, and she married a, a Jewish man and later, and they, you know, were very, very committed to the faith and all that. And his eldest brother ended up going to jail for part of the time, and that was difficult, so difficult for his mom and dad. So I was trying to figure out how I was ever going to fit into this family and at the same time really loving being with their family because it was very much family in a way that I hadn't been in a very long time. You know, again, mom, dad, lots of traditions, beautiful meals together. I loved going there, but I also dreaded it. But uh, I remember we went to their house for Rosh Hashanah, and I talk in my diary about all the rules of Shabbat, how you're not supposed to be using tools on the Sabbath and there I was writing and so I was like I'm not supposed to be doing this and so I was a rule breaker from the very start a secret rule breaker but I was trying to get in good with his mom Vicki who was a lovely warm person and she did try to welcome me in that she was teaching me about their traditions and probably hoping that I would embrace them and she taught me a lot about cooking. I, my diaries are full of recipes of hers, frittata with matzo brai and all kinds of great things and how to make barekas and wonderful foods that she was such a good cook. And I loved learning those at her elbow, you know, helping her with the big meals and such. So she loved that part of me. But I do talk about myself as like, oh gosh, I'm becoming so domestic. I'm, you know, I'm like a little wifey and I'm wanting to cook all the time. My diary is full of what I wanted to be for Dave, but this meant squashing my own desires. So like when I was with his parents, I squashed down my loudness and my impetuous answers and I would carefully consider my speech and such. So it was very much like being with my dad and it and left me uncomfortable. And then when I was at home at the apartment with him, I wanted to cook for him and I wanted to make everything comfortable and beautiful for him. So, you know, I would be the one who cleaned all the time and I would be the one who was shopping and making dinner. And I started to be like, who are you? What are you doing? And how is this the Diana Anderson that was only a few months ago so very, very different? I 
you know, the, I guess my birthday day should have been a big heads up, the, him going off to the baseball game, because I had said I wanted to be generous and let him have his own time. And I kept doing that. Like when he wanted to go and do something else with other people, I kept saying, yes, sure, go. And then being furious and angry and resentful of the people that took him away from me, like my sweet friend, Adam, who Dave loved to go and play racquetball with. And he'd go many times a week. And they'd, of course, stay after and have beers and such like that. But he would never tell me, he wouldn't call me to let me know. And so I was just sitting at home fuming. Who was this person? It was very distressing to me as I was in the middle of it. And looking back at these diary entries, I'm like, oh, God, this was definitely destined to go down a bad road because I was being untrue to myself. I didn't recognize myself. I was bitter and jealous and possessive where before I had been lighthearted and flirtatious and, you know, charmingly slutty. <laughs> ah, I do at some point say that I, oh, I should go back to my old self and do all the crazy things that I always did do, like spending more time with Annie, which I didn't do. And I say that because I was like, this is the person that Dave fell in love with. I need to be that person. But then I, I would be with him and we'd talk and everything would be great again. And so I, I was on this yo-yo path that was really so hard for me. Anne was also really busy with schoolwork. She was always a much better student than I was. And so she was really concentrating on her senior year and wanting to get out of there with glory, you know, and she would, of course. So yeah. I, I'm going to tell you more about that in the next episode, but I thought I'd leave you on a funny light note. So in the midst of that fall, with all of that emotional upheaval for me, we also introduced this wonderful tradition of our own because we had the space to do it. We decided to have these evenings that we called Cook of the Week, or COW for short. So we had the cow club, and after the very first one, which was just the roommates, I think we started extending it to friends, where friends would come and one person would be in charge of making all of the meal, the entire thing. And then we would feed our friends, and we'd had these lovely evenings and wine and all that stuff. Then we had this apron, which was the cow apron, and it was actually cow colored, you know, uh, black and white spots. And we would, the cook of the week, the cow, would then look around the room and fling the cow apron at someone else. And that person would be the next cook of the week. So if you agreed to come and eat with us, then you also agreed to the possibility that you might have to be cow the next time. All of the cow dinners were held at our apartment because we had the room, but the person who had to cook had to bring in all the things and do the cooking. And I remember the meals ran the gamut from my, co my cousin Phil coming over from Andover where he was going to school and he was on the phone at one point calling his father for the recipe for Bernays sauce. And he made us a fabulous dinner 
with asparagus vernets or something like that and medallions of beef and this and that. <laughs> that was glorious. And, and then on the other end of the spectrum, my precious friend Andy, who did not like to cook at all, for his Cook of the Week dinner made frozen tavern pizzas and butterscotch pudding pie. And that was absolutely <laughs> horrifying. <laughs> And he admitted it himself, so it's okay. Uh, he didn't. He definitely didn't want that job of having to feed us, but it was very funny. So the cook of the week dinners were very. They, they didn't end up being of the week every week, but we had so many of them and lots of fun that way. And that fed my need to socialize because after moving out of the dorm and not having all of the people around, oh God, I felt bereft. You know, there was nowhere to put my need for companionship when roommates were busy with work and uh, boyfriends were out playing racquetball. I just had nowhere to go with that wanting to be with humans thing. And that was rough. More about that next time. And we might even have a celebrity sighting next time, which would be lots of fun. I'll see you then. Thanks. Want to make some juicy passive income but don't know where to start? You need to check out Girls Trade 2. Girls Trade 2 is an online community of women learning to trade in the stock market so they can boost their savings and get off that dang hamster wheel of work, work, work. So if you want some help figuring out the stock market, check out a free web class at girlstrade2.com. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.